This is a honky tonk man, the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. Hey everybody, this is Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man. You are listening to... And you're listening to The Wrestler Review. Priceless. Oh, hello everyone. Welcome to a late night for me. And yet an early morning for Dylan, edition of The Wrestler Review. We're going to talk about someone this week. Explain why that is, John. Explain it now. I'm in Australia doing the Adelaide Fringe Festival every day at 9.30. Come check out my show at the Gluttony Piglet. That's an 80-seater that's a tent, and it's been really fun. John's a fucking pig. Fuck him like a pig. Fuck me like a pig. Yep, fuck me like a pig. Put an a- put an apple in my mouth. Ooh, John plays in his own shit and, is, yeah. and put an apple put in his mouth. Put an apple in my mouth and watch me play in my come. mud. Come play in my mud. Oh, yeah. Fuck, John. I, need I, don't, I don't clean out my pan. I want you to get muddy in my pan. John has to shit. It's time yeah. to fuck. Every time I do it, but stuff, I have a curry and a bowl of X-Lax. <laughs> lube. You know you can't where find like harsh laxatives yeah, anymore? Lube. Where we're going, you don't need lube. <laughs> we tried to do that to someone. Uh, me and my friend Mike tried to do that to someone in high school. We... We, uh, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, it's early here. Um, we tried to, uh, get, we, well, we got the person to put laxatives in their drink and then drink this drink. And, um, and we were just very disappointed because the brand of laxatives where it's like jarringly, ass tearingly shit, shithouse are no longer allowed on the market, of course, because of uh, regulations. Yeah. So the man just had a nice poop. Nick. He just And he lived across the street, too, so he just went home, had a nice, strong bowel movement. <laughs> Came back. And then returned to the party. Uh, yeah. Yeah, some of the things, friends of mine tried to do that to me, and literally they were like, oh, we'll get you a diet, we'll get you a Coke. And then they went into, like, they all went into another room and giggled and came back. And then I just, I yeah. poured it down the sink, and then they got really upset. Well, we just kept on cheersing. <laughs> like to new beginnings we would take a drink and then my friend mike would be like to your band <laughs> just kept on doing it it didn't work out unfortunately it's so funny you just you just helped a guy feel a bit better yeah no totally I'll we tell did you who could have used you in his life bigelow this week's subject no, that's what. That's the funny one. I here, I did this prank where I got him addicted to cocaine, resulting in his death. That's, <laughs> that's really interesting because I was the one. He was in a, a severe emotional pain, and I was like, "Hey, you know, if you uh, mush up these pills in a butt of a hammer, you will drive drunk with your son most days." Which, based on his arrest record, was his favorite <laughs> thing to do. <laughs> Bam Bam Bigelow. Bam Bam, Bam Bigelow went like he. It was like in. Like 1996, he looked in the mirror and was like, wait a minute, I got a tattoo on my head. I need to start behaving far worse than I am. It's a bizarre... He, um, Well, let's start, because we left off at the Lawrence Taylor match, essentially, and the click... The wagons are circling. The click wants... Uh, Don't you mean wagon? Basically Don't you mean wagon? Bam, what bam, the fuck's bam. a wagon, you fucking piece of shit? I said wagon. I said wagon. wagon. The wagons are searching. That's you. Oh, I just listened to it back. Turns out I said wagon. Oh, I just listened to it back and I realized that you're drunk. Are you drunk in the morning? You've been been in Australia too much, mate. You're drinking the kangaroo milk. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) You know what? We do have some listeners in Australia and to them I'd like to say good day, mate. I got to tell you. I am uh, I'm I'm wowed by your knowledge of the Australian culture and impressed by the accent. Oh, that's an oxymoron. They don't have culture. They're just a bunch of kangaroo riding donkeys. Yeah, just a bunch of can- hanging out. Oh, mate, 
slurping on Listerine or whatever. Oh, it's a koala. It's got hepatitis. <laughs> uh, you can fuck them. They stand right still, they do. Yeah. Oh, they got aloe vera on their hands and you can fuck me. <laughs> why, why is, there you why go. is one of the Beatles in Australia for some reason fucking a koala man? I don't know. I'm Paul McCartney. <laughs> I'm so sorry, everybody. I'm really sorry about everything. I'm from Liverpool. We put a bunch of can. Oh, we got a bunch of kangaroos over in Liverpool because the guy from Australia told me this sucker good dick. <laughs> nice. I'm Paul McCartney. That's how exactly how Paul McCartney. Once sounds. John Lennon started dating Yoko, I said, "Oh, you think that's weird? We'll check this out." And then I started receiving a lot of hammer jobs from various kangaroos. <laughs> People don't know that you call it a hammer no. job, but that's because a kangaroo. It thinks it's some sort of fucking fruit, so you have to hum along so it doesn't clamp down. Brian, Brian Epstein learned that the hard way. It's why we had to fake a suicide after a kangaroo beat his dick off. I'm very sorry. I'm very sorry. None of this has to do with wrestling. That's okay. Wrestling. John, before we get Brian, into professional wrestling, bam, bam. Brian Epstein, our manager, he was a homosexual, which is why I forced him to fuck a kangaroo. Because you may not know this about me, Paul <laughs> McCartney, but I'm all for vegetarianism. But if a man lays with another man, that's a fucking sin. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's live, that's oh, der- that's a mockery of God. Oh, hello, everyone. Live and let live and let die was about what I like to call the Brown Towners. <laughs> oh. Um, can I tell you something? I long the 60s when a man with a neck tattoo would kill the fucking quiz. I'm so sorry. I'm very, I'm very <laughs> tired. For some reason, I'm finding it. This is this is exactly what the deleted chapter of Paul McCartney's autobiography said. So, <laughs> like, it's, it's gone from evil mean Gene Okerlund to evil Paul McCartney. Oh, hello. I'll I'll tell you who taught Mean Gene how to fuck a hole he made in a woman's back. It was me. <laughs> I told him the new meaning of pain. <laughs> oh, the branding iron thing wasn't Terry Funk. I did that to Gene's balls as a test. I'll never forget. If you want to give pain, you have to experience it first. Oh, I'll never forget. We met Gene, mean Gene, when we were in Minnesota. And he came to the concert, and he didn't blink for an hour and a half. And I thought, that's the kind of man I can wrap in plastic and pretend he's dead while I jack off. <laughs> uh, Hello, Daddy. Yeah. I'm here. <laughs> well, Daddy, let me suck your nipple of violence. Welcome, everyone, to me sucking on the nipple of violence. So, uh, Scott Bam Bam Bigelow has just lost, paid an exceptional amount of money, and promised uh, a babyface run afterwards. He didn't want to do the babyface run. But he got... What he got was... He they made him friends with Diesel briefly, and then <laughs> yeah. that's it. Like this is the weird time where they tried. You're friends with a truck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's how they thought of Diesel. By the way, is that Kevin Nash wanted to, whether you believe Kevin Nash or not, Kevin Nash wanted basically, like he wanted to be Kevin Nash the badass on TV. He wanted to be 1999 Kevin Nash, where he comes out and he's like smoking a real joint, and then he actually fingers Sonny. Yeah. And then power bombs the entire roster and comes back smelling pussy juice on his fingers the whole time. That's what he wanted in 1996. But what they did for him was they made him, you're 
You're an actual truck. Yeah. You go vroom vroom, Kevin. <laughs> eh, eh. I'm coming, coming to the match. I'm coming to the ring. <laughs> I got a parallel park because I'm a real truck. And then bam bam, the nice flame yeah. boy. The flame gentleman. Yeah. Get it? They're friends because one's based on combustion and the other one is combustible. <laughs> I do like that Van Bam, we didn't even talk about this, I did like that his move was the flying headbutt, and I like the focus on his head, uh, like, I like all the headbutts and stuff, because the guy's a man had a flame on his head, and I feel like that was used the best it could in the early 90s that way, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Probably 100%. not. 100%. Fuck you. Fuck you. Listen to me. Uh... It absolutely makes perfect sense. He makes perfect sense as a character. The whole thing is great. Um, until, of course, this moment. They, for some reason, turn him babyface, which is a bad idea. If he lost to Lawrence Taylor, make him a fucking heel and make him destroy all the wrestlers being like, fuck you, I was the only one defending wrestling from this fucking outsider. All this interference. And like have him go after people. Instead, they have the million dollars sort of turn on him, and he starts wearing a jacket that shoots flames. Ugh! And doing a flip before he started wrestling and occasionally was friends with a man who thinks he's a truck. Now, well, that's the thing that no one really knew is that this guy, because he had the looks of a heel, but essentially the moveset of a baby face, like he could do a bunch of cartwheels. Uh, he was very, very, very athletic, but he just never really showcased that because he was always a heel on television. Mm-hmm. But he leaves for ECW. Before well, no, he leaves no. okay. for ECW, right. no, because we already did. Uh, we did him leading the Fed last week. But uh, before he leaves for ECW, he gets a call to do a shoot fight for a hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Have you seen this shoot fight? I John? watched it. It's very uncomfortable. You're also glossing over the fact he got into a huge fucking freeze all with the click. That the, for some reason the click denies happening, but he literally essentially went to his grave. Um, wanting to kill Shawn Michaels. Yes, he um, did not. like. Well, we discussed a bit that a bit last week, but he fucking hated the click because he was friends with uh, Candido and Shane Douglas. And obviously, Michaels was cuckolding uh, Candido at the On time. On this podcast, we called it the uh, Dylan God. Nope. Yeah. Oh, you mean fucking someone's wife? Yes, that is yeah, called that the Dylan That is called God. the Dylan Because <laughs> you do not be- you don't believe in <laughs> vows. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ooh, I do. I do believe in vows. Suck my dick, please. Please. Step on my nuts. They're long, and it makes it hurt, and I earn it. Oh, my God. Earn the cum is what I say. (laughs) Step on my nuts. They're very long. (laughs) Just the ball. Pop the ball. Pop the ball. (laughs) Um, Do you know about ball popping, John? You can only really do it once. I'm not a big ball popper. I like my balls to be. I like. The, I, Statistically, you can only do it twice. Oh my god, that's true. I <laughs> I found out about that when I was twenty one. Laughed, then went. You. Yeah. I I <laughs> laughed again. I, mean, I I hate to meet the poor son of a bitch who's on fucking <laughs> just. Yeah. Can I have uh, prosthetic testes? All right, the government's not co- covering these anymore because clearly you're just gonna pop them. No, I'm yeah. not. That's wh- you're trying to pop them right Would now. Would someone who's going to do that be winking? <laughs> um, so, uh, Slam Slam Sligolo, this guy um, fought, do you believe, you saw the match, do you believe it was a setup? Do you believe that he 
through the match? I think that he literally doesn't. He just was like, how much? Great. And then just went there and knew he was getting the fucking shit kicked out of him. I don't think it was fake. I don't know much about. Because he alleges that it was all of a course work. He, he said basically the Wouldn't whole. you allege. Card was a work. Allege that that was a work. It wasn't a work. that He would have put in some defense. The guy's a smart enough professional of wrestling. Hello. To know that you don't get look, you don't get like made to feel like make, you don't do something that makes it look like you're getting mugged by a dude, and that's what he he basically did. Yeah, I don't I don't understand. I don't understand because it's like if you watch it, like he takes he goes oh oh well if you look um if you look all the punches land to the top of the head that's why it's fake and it's like yeah of course because you're turtled up, <laughs> begging. After the match, you can Google how he looks after the match. He's fucked. Like, he's fucking, he looks very much like he's in a street fight that he lost. Of course, he's fighting. If you guys want to also Google who he was fighting, he was fighting Kimo Leopoldo, who at that point, um, at that point had only lost how many times and how he lost? He had lost twice. Uh, he had beaten... Um, Patrick Smith, who is like a top kickboxer, Fred Floyd, which is, uh, I'm assuming a made up name and, uh, Kisuji Sakuraba, who went on to be one of like the best fighters of all time. So like, there's no reason for them to No, I mean, the Japanese actually do just rig shit. Like they would rig a fight between like, they, they would be like, Hey Dylan, you're fighting Mike Tyson. Do you want to take a payoff to let him win? I'd be like, yes. So I can tell people I let Mike Tyson win. Like they just don't want anybody. Like they don't want any chance. Something could go wrong. It's also one of those. So I do kind of believe it, but you know, it's also one of those things where it at times more than a few times. The thing with it is, also, it's so short that if they rigged it, they would have gone, like, three rounds. Like, there's a thousand things that don't seem real. Also, as soon as it's, like, Japan for MMA, I'm like, no, it was real. And But they stopped it too early because the original plan was Kimo cut off Bam Bam Bigelow's pinky, ate it, shit it out onto Bam Bam Bigelow, and then people had a, you have to touch this shit on Bam Bam Bigelow match around them. Because, <laughs> like, Japan yeah. is either the... It's either the most traditional, simple, like, back-and-forth chain wrestling, or it's like, this one guy's dead, and the other guy's your mom. Your mom dies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, either it's the simple, one-on-one, -on -one traditional, or it's like, the winner fights a blow-up doll. The blow-up doll will win. It is unstoppable. Yeah. The blow-up doll is of his own mom. It's weird that we made that, and he designed it. Pussy included. Like, it's like, what? The winner gets to fuck your yeah, mom. The Whoever you are, they will fuck your Let's mom. Hope you don't win or you're fucking your mom. You have to. <laughs> this is Japan. Our contracts are both weird and legally binding. <laughs> the Yakuza have your mother. Uh, this is going to get real uncomfortable for even me, the guy yes, talking. I don't know how we both started with these Shadow Steven-like voices, but I like it. Um... Bam Bam Bigelow also, by uh, the way, and this also so, is how you know that he's on a lot of drugs towards the end of his life, has claimed um, controversially or conflictingly that he's paid up to 125000 for the fight all the way down to 75000 for the fight. Yeah, well, the, the, the thing was they contacted him directly, he was told, 
He was told that they contacted him directly in an interview. He said that uh, and said one hundred and fifty thousand. And then he said he got a call from Paul Heyman being like, "Hey, I got this fight against Chemo in Japan. It's for fifty thousand dollars." <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so he was uh, getting uh, a hundy skipped uh, skimmed off the top. It's uh, fifty thousand dollars, Bam Bam, and you have to buy your own seats in economy. But I'll be in first class, and I need an extra seat next to me, my client. I gotta say, the more you read about Paul Heyman as Bam Bam, I have, I have a match for you. Here's what is happening. You're going to fight a truck. It's for five dollars, and you gotta cover me in oil first and call me a little girl. Ah, uh, uh, hi, Bam Bam. It's the guy who got you in the business, Paul Heyman. I just wanted to let you know I came up with a new match. It's called You Let Me Sleep Here Because I'm Going Through a Divorce. <laughs> That's <laughs> That's <laughs> He's been going through a divorce since he was born. Paul yeah, Paul Heyman, Heyman literally, uh, he, his parents filed for divorce before he got married. Hi, oh, joke about them being lawyers. Get it? They're Jews. A group of people Dylan does not like. That's not true. I don't mention it all the time, weirdly out of context, do I? Uh, so Bigelow goes to ECW. He obviously had the relationship with Paul Heyman from Paul getting him into the business. Yes. Uh, At Studio 54 where doing pro wrestling. inexplicably Ric Flair was there. Never forget, Ric Flair was there. I think there's an explanation. He wanted to be around a man with a tattooed head, so it he was very much an attractive. explanation. No, it was Studio Fifty Four in the later days, so they started letting in the, whoever had money for coke. <laughs> it's not just cool people anymore. Ric Flair's there, and he's gonna be in Studio Fifty Four, grabbing on pussies and getting mad drunk. But it's the eighties, so no one's gonna charge him with sexual grabbing assault. Grabbing on pussies, Dylan Wood for our podcast. Woo! It's the nature boy. You said no, but I'm deaf to that word specifically. I had a doctor change the way my ears work. Woo! <laughs> I just like that he... To me, no literally means yes. I just like the idea that he just, he doesn't understand how ears work, so he's like, they changed the way my ears work, even though you, you'd store that in memory, not in your ears. No, you would. You would change it in your ears, you fucking piece oh, of good. shit. Oh, good. I'm glad that... I'm Go glad back. that oh, everyone listens to Crocodile Dylan. Crocodile Dundee came to me show. <laughs> As you. Nerd. You're doing an impression of you. Um, so, Dylan, um, oh, before we move that. off the MMA fight, um, how did it work out for Bam Bam Bigelow in the end in this fight? He was beaten up like a... He was beaten up like a, like a, like a fat kid by three other kids. Yeah, that was, it was very three bad. Three kids that are one kid. Also, one last thing. Here's how you know something is sketchy, and I figured this out, which is if it says the name of where the wrestling takes place and just one explicable other letter, then you know you're in trouble. For example, for example, <laughs> the MMA match happened in U-Japan. Yeah. Uh, A lot of these were work bouts, but yeah, this one looked, it definitely just looked like, like, here's the telltale sign you're not going to bet on Bam Bam in this match. Kimo comes in, and Kimo basically looks like... Uh, Dave Batista, and uh, does he also have Bam Bam Bigelow have a is in a singlet. Just a quick question: Does he have a weird tramp stamp around his belly button? No, he has like the ultimate bro tattoos, where he's like, "Give me a tribal tattoo all over my body," and they're like, "What tribe? All tribes." <laughs> uh, the the tribe uh, that does tattoos. I don't know, man. Draw some idiot. shit. <laughs> it's like a barbed wire, but it's a vine. Yeah. 
Okay. So like Pamela Anderson's tattoo in the movie Barbware? Yeah, that but all over my yeah. body, please. Actually, could you just That's what he asked for. Could you just um, tattoo that poster on my back? Also, I watched that movie because I thought there'd be Pamela <laughs> Anderson boobs in it. I was wrong. Now, he debuts in WCW, or WCW, I'm a fucking piece of shit, ECW, as you said, he has that relationship with Paul Heyman, and he joins the Triple Threat, Triple Threat, the ECW answer to the Four Horsemen. Now, Bam Bam Bigelow wasn't originally supposed to be in the Triple Threat, he was supposed to be an antagonist against the Triple Threat, but Brian Lee, I believe, um, just remembered that he loves drugs more than he loves being a wrestler, so he fucked off. Oh. No, that's different. That's later on. This is when I think he got called up to be Chains. I think that's what... And they replaced him with Bam Bam Bigelow. Yeah, yeah. so Bam Bam... Uh, yeah, Bam Bam's in ECW at this point, which is a weird one because there is that basically open... It's kind of well thought now that ECW was essentially a developmental territory for WWE, so I don't understand... How he leaves WWE for ECW, other than maybe Vince being like, help ECW and just don't go to WCW? Like, is that the thought? Because Bam Bam, during this point, like, we talked about this in the first part, but he loves Japan. Like, he loves the way they work. He loves saying the word Japs. Oh, he, he loves everything. And it's also one of the things here, wouldn't you? Because you, that's a place where a big man like that can do some crazy moves and get accepted and not have it affect like his t-shirt sh- sales yeah. and stuff like that. The thing that's interesting with ECW is this is where he comes into his own. He sort of, because he gets bigger and more brawly, he drops that conflicting moveset for appearance and just becomes a big, bruisey biker bag of shit guy. And that I think it sounds crazy, but I hugely credit it to the greetings of, from Ashbury Park finishing move which i don't have any substantiated evidence but i feel like paul Heyman took him aside and was like how if i could have one volley mr bigelow i believe you should do a spinning power slam onto people's actual spines that way they fucking die (laughs) well i just think that he basically was like i feel like this was a Mutual thing, because he was like, hey, you know that flying headbutt that involves flying, which I'm old and I don't want to do? Let me fall on my bum bum. You know, that actually is a much log- more logical explanation than mine, which is like very complicated and convoluted and yours makes sense, which is just, uh, uh, you know how I lie down using my face against the opponent? Well, now I'm going to lie down using my butt. <laughs> it's like sitting on a chair, but there's no chair. Yeah, you, you know, shitting, that's all of that's you. The move. And this is what I'm going to do. You're going to come out my body. <laughs> you know how I, when I eat all those tuna sandwiches, I take a dump? I'm going to do that, but with a guy's head and no toilet. <laughs> that's my move. Call it. Call it shitting in a public toilet in Asbury I call Park. It society, bro. Can we not do yeah. that? Can we call it greetings from Asbury Park? No. Tuna sandwich. I ate it. Now I have diarrhea in Asbury Park. You call it that. I'm not going to listen to the commentary. I'm just going to assume that's the thing. Um, <laughs> um, other than, but Bam Bam, like, uh, oh, I was going to say, during this, because this is another thought, and I probably think it's the most clear one, and probably the actual reason is because A, Bam Bam's getting old, so that's one thing. And then the other thing I'm assuming this is because Bam Bam is a clear three inches taller and bigger than most people on the ECW roster at this point. So it's weird to have that guy also being a high flyer and you're supposed to hate that guy. Like he's doing, he's four times the athlete Taz is and he's just doesn't take care of himself whatsoever. You know what I mean? So it's weird to be like, oh, boo this guy because he's a bad person. 
And especially for the ECW crowd, like you kind of have to like you got to give them something, and also like, a guy we, who we doesn't try. Sit episode, but also Bam Bam Bigelow yeah. is such an ECW wrestler where it's like he doesn't try hard, but still he does things. You bro- bloodthirsty fucks seem to enjoy. They're like, <sighs> they love it. Well, because he was the originator of like not the origin, not the originator. I mean, we'll get to it, but he was one of the he was one of the guys when they first started doing the giant killer gimmick with Spike. Where he worked with Spike and put Spike over, you know? Like, he had no... He was a perfect guy for ECW because was he, like, a 1B guy? Like, or, like, a intercontinental-level position that way talent in WWF? Absolutely. Sid was more, like, pushed as a world title guy, obviously, because he got the title. But Sid wouldn't job. Like, Sid was super protective of his spot, whereas Bam Bam would job to just anybody. So, you can just have a guy like Taz beat him a couple times... And that's great for the company, you know, because they beat Bam Bam Bigelow. Bam Bam Bigelow is the first time they like have a get from a major company where he's there for a while as well. And but also is then also becomes a bit of an albatross on the locker room because he kept walking around saying it's not worth it here. This is shit. Paul Heyman's fucking dumb. And it's unknown if their relationship ever actually recovered from the end of this run. It's also very interesting where most other wrestlers who left ECW would be given some sort of like, here's an explanation, here's why. You can tell it really hurt Paul Heyman when Bigelow fucking walked out. Oh, Dylan, any guess on why Bigelow left ECW? Not getting paid. I'm really glad that you were able to guess that really difficult thing to guess. Yeah, wasn't paid for six weeks. (laughs) Walked out. And if you're Bam Bam Bigelow, because this is the portion of time, ladies and gentlemen. Six weeks is a lot for a guy like that. That is a lot of pills that he now owes the money to the drug dealers for. Like, he for sure was like, check out my tattoo. I finish what I start. I'll be back with the money. And they they believed him. (laughs) And eventually he was driving to Long Island to harass a small man who lives with his parents who was so weirdly fat. (laughs) Um, Can we also talk about... Can I talk to you, Paul? I'm not done masturbating into my mom's bra. Sir, if you would allow me this folly, I am about to fuck my mom's negligee. I filled it with Vaseline. <laughs> I created something I call a fleshlight. What it is, it's an empty toilet paper roll and my hand inside. Don't ask about the schematics. I'm coming. I want to chafe while I come. <laughs> that's not <laughs> so bam bam talks about this extensively how he didn't like the style in it's ECW. so funny he didn't like the style uh, but he just car crash totally wrestling. took to it like a fish to water like he's so good and fits so perfectly i like that you brought up the spike dudley thing for no other reason than it's such an iconic moment in ecw history but also was a big moment for spike dudley because you can see him oh he's conquered a giant after fucking Bam Bam Bigelow threw him into a crowd and they curf- they cr- like crowd surfed him around. It's so fucking crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. And it, it it even in losing that feud, it made Spike Dudley just because if you go one and two against Bam Bam Bigelow, you're good. You know what I mean? Like Oh, I didn't even consider you're good that now. actually. Like you've you've Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like it's the whole you had a competitive match. They don't do it very much in wrestling anymore because they have to have nine hours of content every week and they refuse to have like wrestling used to be where they would, you know, you can't get away with the same 1999 shit where it's like, 
which girl has the nicest tits and which one's ugly and we're going to throw garbage at her through hours of television. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome now to Monday Night just Raw. Matches. Our opening segment is called Mark Henry Gave You AIDS. Why? Because he's black and that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> Our first segment is we know Sable's hot, but can you beat her mom? Yeah. Oh, we beat her mom with a bat. That's the whole we segment. <laughs> where it's Vince Russo. We all know we're attracted to Sable, but how long can you hold your boner while your dad jacks off in front of you? We have too much money. <laughs> Daddy, no. So, um, so, Dylan, let's take a break. But, Afterwards, we'll talk about WCW and uh, Bam Bam Bigelow's inevitable death. We got to finish talking about ECW. We gotta talk about. We still gotta talk about ECW, uh, the Taz feud. Okay, let's talk about that and then take a break. And, we'll take, uh, talk about the Taz feud break. WCW. Well, I mean, like, there's so much to unpack with ECW. Like, where would you rank the Triple Threat as far as like? I think the Triple Threat is one of the most underutilized and under not underutilized. Sorry, like underappreciated stables of all Absolutely. time. I love uh, it. Bam Bam. I love the hand signal. I love the unity of it. I love. The late 90s was also perfect of guys that were grouped together because they were all raised by territory guys who now had a national level. The factions all told a story and were a version of the Four Horsemen in the way now that every faction now is a version version of the NWO. But by doing a version of the Horsemen, you could kind of do anything. You just had the nucleus of guy who is always the singles champion with tag teams. Like that was always the sort of thing. It was essentially like how the Bullet Club has the elite and it just... Yeah, it worked. It's so good. And also Candido and Shane Douglas, that perfect sort of quarterback to like running back dynamic with always this big enforcer. I loved it. And they always had babes. Ben Bigelow wasn't given a lady. He was just given a warning about how he treated those women. Well, yeah, that was the, that was the thing where you got it where it's like uh, Shane would have Francine and then Candido at points would have Sonny. And Bam Bam was almost too serious to have a woman. But it worked. You know what I mean? Like, it was just like. He's supposed to be the heavy. Like, it was all predicated over Shane Douglas is supposed to be the head cheerleader in a high school. And Francine's supposed to be. Oh, he's supposed to be the quarterback. And Francine's supposed to be the head cheerleader. Sorry, everyone. It's late at night and I'm jet lagged. And I just called Shane Douglas a cheerleader. And Lord knows he's probably done enough Oxycontin. (laughs) You guys think he did that briefly. But I don't want to help with his delusion. So he feuds with Taz. Um, Taz is in a feud with the triple threat because Taz, something about the world championship. I don't really know. Either way, him and Bam Bam Bigelow have some fucking he wants crazy the world t- matches. Taz wants the world title. He's playing like the loner, badass um, UFC fighter. Uh, and Bam Bam and him have a bunch of matches where, of course, famously, the old break the Taz mission and fall through the ring, which apparently was supposed to happen, but the ring broke perfectly. Like, let's fuck off about this. It looks so good. The it, the ring was rigged, by the way. If you watch that pay per view, that no one yeah. goes near that corner for the entire night until they do that. Yeah, and who gives a fuck? It's absolutely awesome. It's the first time they've ever done a like a ring break like that, and it's like puts over Taz as like, yes, Bam Bam Bigelow did beat Taz, but look what he had to do to do it. He literally had to fucking smush the guy in the ring and like crush him essentially. And it's a really cool, like, in Bam Bam Taz matches are awesome. The only thing is Bam Bam does not like working with Taz because Taz, and we've heard of this a ton of times, is, like, he believes his own yeah, shit. Taz like, is the Dylan god of the wrestling world. 
Yeah, Taz is fucking no, awesome. No, wrong, wrong. He's a bit of an egotist who has a very odd internet-based radio show, just like you. No. Oh, okay, good point. You win. Uh, offer rejected. Uh, and even towards the end of his run, like Taz or Bam Bam makes Rob Van Dam. Like RVD says that he could hear the reactions getting better immediately after he beat Bam Bam for the TV title. Like immediately. But the way he beats Bam Bam is with the help of Sabu. Like it's a two-on-one. It's ba- it's a, basically a two-on-one. And that's how ECW is set up. That's the good thing about how ECW is set up is that people getting help to beat people is so normal that a guy can still be over even though he got I didn't even know win. this. I thought they did the, the win with the falling through the ring. I didn't realize there was another match afterwards. How intriguing. Yeah, they did. Of course, they did the Taz match afterwards. And after that, uh, Bam Bam becomes ECW TV champion. And um, RVD and Sabu, um, yeah, and Sabu helps, Sabu does the, RVD helps RVD win the TV title, and that plays into uh, RVD and Sabu repeatedly breaking up, because obviously RVD says I did it all by myself, but Sabu helped him very clearly, Um, but Bam Bam, like, does go to WCW because he doesn't like this ECW style. Before we go continue, by the way, can, can we just talk about what did Bill Alfonso say when uh, Sabu and Rob Van Dam broke up? Uh, who has smokes? No. I'm with Sabu. You can hear it in the ring. It's fucking great. <laughs> Fuck. I love Bill. You're talking about male cheerleaders. Bill Alfonso was the best male cheerleader because he would just scream one word. They make Bill say Sabu. Sabu, Sabu, Sabu. Yeah. Yeah. Give me my, give me my kids back, Carrie. Give me my kids. <laughs> I just number one. It also looked. I got kids. <laughs> I'm just trying to look this up, actually. If Bill Alfonso is still alive. Oh my God, he's still he's 60. For sure he is. Cigarettes don't kill as fast as prescription pills. <laughs> he for sure is still alive. Holy shit, he's 60. So how old was he? He was a 39-year-old man yeah, in ECW. That's he fucked. Was famously, he was the big referee in Japan. He was the like American referee in Japan that they would always bring in, and Terry Funk was a big fan of Because Terry... Because Terry Funk's such a weirdo that he has he's the people he are fans of are ref are wrestling referees. Ah, oh, let me tell. When you've been around that long, you can do oh, whatever yeah, you want. Me. Like, oh, I don't like this ring. Change the oh, ring. Ah, yeah. Let me tell you, Dory. I met this Hebner boy, and he was really good at counting. <laughs> but uh, Bam Bam doesn't like the style in ECW, and I really do think this is a contributing thing to why he left, is because. He talks about how I mentioned this earlier, but it's like car crash wrestling. Not that he doesn't like stiff shit because he loves being in Japan, but it's just like, and it's it's really sad to watch shoot interviews where Bam Bam talks about how he didn't want to fuck up his brain for the future, and that's why part of the reason he did leave ECW because people were smashing themselves in the head with chairs and acting like it wasn't gonna fuck their brain up later. That's the whole thing about CTE. Like <laughs> you talk about CTE and. Everyone talks about how, like, bad CTE is for you. And obviously, like, the part where your brain turns it on itself and you start hurting people close to you really is cool a new revelation. Yeah, but you're like, right. No, no, it's I not agree, like, Dylan. You know, sometimes but, your family needs to fucking get in line and CTE allows you to see that. You're right. It's a hard thing to say. Sometimes you need to turn on the people close to you. I mean, everything is wrestling, so... <laughs> Heel turn. I killed yeah. my mom. <laughs> Heel turn. Uh, <laughs> Heel turn. NWO shirt. For yeah. life. So, You're dead, mom. For death. NWO for death. <laughs> <laughs> 
But all I'm saying is, like, people knew getting hit in the head wasn't good for you. Get out of here, concussion therapist. I don't know. Take that, the movie Concussion starring Will Smith, you fucking Here's piece the crazy thing that when... Fuck when you. Bam Bam Bigelow was saying all that stuff in the wrestling media, you know there were people in the ECW locker room that were literally like icing their skulls and going, okay, I know it goes one, two, three, five. Um, they were like, oh, what a pussy. Lord knows your your brain was is protected by your skull. That why that's why you can get shot up there. Now <laughs> So that's so he leaves ECW uh for WCW and we will talk about that. After the break. After the break. I don't know why I said break again. I'm being a fuck. Oh, it's because we're talking about Bam Bam and you have to say everything twice. <laughs> Shit fuck. Stop it now. This will be the fastest one as never. Hey, Dylan. Patreon.com backslash wrestle review. Patreon.com backslash wrestle review. Patreon.com backslash wrestle review. Please give us money. Get uh, alternate episodes and you can maybe pick the wrestler we review next and maybe John will get a Barry Darso tattoo on his lower back. Slut, slut, slut. Shame on your body. We're back from break, everyone. It's Bam Bam. Sucked me off during the break. I did, did not do that. Bam Bam Bigelow debuts in he WCW did. in 1998 in, I think, the fashion he should have been used throughout his entire career, which is he shows up and he's just a fucking maniac beating people up, demanding to confront Goldberg. It's fucking great. Yes, but they did kind of neuter him immediately because he was only one of the reasons Goldberg lost his match. You know what I mean? What do you cuz he was one of the guys who interfered during the Goldberg gets shocked with a cattle prod Kevin Nash powerbomb. Yeah, and it wasn't ordeal. it wasn't he was one of the guys that interfered. It wasn't the big one. But which, it wasn't just him. Yeah, it was it was also Scott Hall. It should have been just that would have been an amazing way to do it. And they harken back of like, oh they were friends back in WWF. That would have been way better than Scott Hall in a weirdly brightly mustard yellow shirt. Stun guns this fucking guy. God man, wrestling in the nineties, they loved electrical equipment being used as weapons. Yeah, especially Bam Bam like even Bam Bam in the NWO and making him in the because he had that singlet where it was white flames on a black singlet, mm-hmm. so you could make him wear that singlet, but you don't even need to put him in the NWO shirt. Like he's just in the NWO. Is he? Is he not? Like why not play with that? Have him come in the ring and like actually cost Goldberg the match. So holy shit, this guy could actually damage Goldberg, which is a new thing. Like immediately you've undone anything the Lawrence Taylor match did with sacrificing this guy's believability as soon as he goes, puts like is the reason Goldberg loses. You know what I mean? Because that no one hurt Goldberg at this time. Like you have to understand how strong Goldberg was kept in 97, 98. He... No one had beaten Hulk Hogan clean since the Ultimate Warrior, and even when that happened, when the Ultimate Warrior beat Hulk Hogan, it was a 30-minute back-and-forth match. Goldberg essentially did a TV squash match of Hulk Hogan. Yeah, what's, like that's how fucking over. And this what's guy even is, right? and by the way, that was a that was a strategy on Hogan's part that backfired, which was he wanted uh, to get he knew because he usually got a big ovation in Atlanta because it's really like face gamer Mark Town. And he was like, I need to be appearing on Nitro with Goldberg in this moment to get that cheers. And then he just basically got talked into realizing of like, oh, let's just drop the belt now. And it fucked him because of the booze and cheers he got. It never really, the TNA, or 
TBS executives never believed Hulk Hogan really was the draw that they always thought he was after that moment. Yes, but this is also like Bam Bam Bigelow was brought in, and I agree, could have been a great Goldberg opponent, and as someone who actually could carry Goldberg through matches, could be presented as a villain, all those sort of things would have been fucking exactly. Great. He carried he carried so many people through matches. They instead neuter him and then throw him in the WCW Hardcore Division and just have him do a bunch yeah. of great but insane matches with Raven and Hardcore Hack, who is someone gave steroids to Sandman and it is <laughs> so weird. Yeah, and they put knobs in the in the Hardcore Division. Yeah, knobs would just wear a T-shirt that says "nasty," which I would really <laughs> like to find and buy for you. I wonder if the nasty. I'm gonna try and look that up right now. I'm looking up right now. That the nasty boys shirts are actually sold because those were sick ass are. shirts. Um, yeah, man. It's yeah, he's thrown in sick ass shirts for a sick ass boy. So, the, so the whole boy. reason he basically left WCW is now completely for naught because, or sorry, left ECW was one part was the money, <laughs> and then the other <laughs> part. But the other part was very, very clearly that he didn't want to do this shit anymore, right? Like he did not. Yeah, but here's the do difference: WCW probably backed up a fucking Brinks truck because he was one of the last WWF wrestlers that ECW hadn't stolen. So yes, that's I why understand they that. But like, probably. he was concerned about his head taking more damage, and now he's just back in the fucking. He's just back in the fucking shit, taking fucking garbage can shots from Raven and all the boys. Yeah, man. Doing a bunch of things with... Uh, they did more trash can shots. WCW loved a trash can. Now... Oh, did they um, ever love a trash can a, shot? Oh, they loved a fucking trash can shot. Just dent a head with a goddamn aluminum trash can. Um, so the Jersey Triad uh, gets formed, which I thought this lasted a lot longer, but it was like four mm-hmm. months. Oh, less than that. It was a month. Um, no, three months, which was page... Chris Canyon, Bam Bam Bigelow. Basically, they were. It's the WCW version of the Triple Threat. It's where Diamond Dallas Page is briefly a bad guy. Diamond Dallas Page was br- a velvet jacket to the <laughs> ring all the time. Really, it's the best part of the whole thing. Is he just wears a velvet jacket to the ring all the time? I, I really like the Jersey Triad. I like the Jersey Triad uh, because they. They do a great thing where it's like Paige is clearly the biggest star there. You're getting to know Bam Bam in this context. And then you got Cannon in there who's clearly the next dude. And this really lives. It basically it all leads to Positively Canyon, which is what I want more than anything. Positively Canyon is the greatest wrestling character of all time. I I would argue with you, but I 100% agree with you and have no follow-up <laughs> point. Also, can I just... Yeah. In my books, it goes positively Canyon, uh, Canyon, Harley Race. Man, all the shit, the shit he used to do where he... Just the fact that he would wear a wig. Also, Mm -hmm. the other thing that I just have been thinking about this just now is Bam Bam Bigelow in modern wrestling times, like they would have mocked his fucking head tattoo. They would have done like drawings of it, like all these sort of things. Instead... He was relatively protected in everywhere he went, minus what we discussed in WCW. But he was never like made to be a comedy character, which is now in wrestling. Like every single one of the every single wrestler goes through a phase where it's like, oh, now they think that their own shit is chocolate, and yeah. they just laugh at them for ten minutes. That's true. Specifically, big guys always go through care. Always go through like, okay, you lost to John Cena. 
What's his new character? He likes to hug people, but he doesn't realize how strong he is. Ah. Yeah. Yeah, fuck that Every shit. Every time he moves, he... Every time he moves, he toots. He's the tutor. <laughs> and full disclosure, if anyone out there knows specific like storylines from around 99-2000-WCW that Bam Bam Bigelow was directly involved with, please tell us. Because there's for sure... like The way WCW in the year 2000 worked is it, it, it all happened so fast. I'm sure like Bam Bam Bigelow was like a nine-time women's champion. But lost it when Stacy Keebler like put him in a sleeper, and then he tapped and started like, leg- and they rigged up something to make him like piss and come in his pants. Well, you're not you're somewhat far off, but they after the dissolution of the triad, there was a tournament to crown a new hardcore champion or new heavyweight champion. Pardon me, which he lost to Norman Smiley. I only bring that up because mm-hmm. Norman Smiley, the greatest. You don't realize this guy is a jobber, but clearly a jobber wrestler of all time. Uh, he won the hardcore title and then basically feuded with the wall and then David Flair over the services of Stacy Keebler as his manager until WCW folded. And Sean Stasiak was involved in a few of those as well. It was a fucking disaster. Basically, Bam Bam Bigelow was like, I'm running up the clock. I've got some fake teeth. Going to make some money until I no longer can make money, which will be very soon. (laughs) Well, that's the thing, right? Like, uh, yeah, he is totally running out the clock. And I don't know how you couldn't realize Norman Smiley was a jobber. He used to wrestle in a football helmet. That was the best thing he ever did. Also, just when that was, he was so funny. Champion, he would just be called s- screaming Norman Smiley. Man, WCW had a lot. He would just be screaming. Had the whole some time. way better ideas than people give them credit for. It was just like it wasn't even a shit sandwich. It was just like it was a giant turd with some yeah. Like it really was like that. But that's no one wouldn't say that Vince Russo wasn't like great at mid card comedy. That's legit. His shit. That was his shit, man. That is his shit. Mid card comedy. Like he's still good at it. But I think no, he's not still good. When was there good mid card comedy in TNA? You absolute piece of shit. Scott Steiner. I don't think that that had anything to do with Vince Russo. Jay Lethal. Jay Lethal. You probably uh, saw yeah, Jay Lethal doing that. a fucking uh, doing a fucking impression backstage and just went, uh, "Oh, you're good. Do that out there." And then Jay Lethal was like, but I'm a real wrestler and I'm one of the better ones in the company. He's like, yeah, I'm not buying it, bro. Uh, you're five foot one bro, and uh, you're the wrong color for me. So get out bro, there. Bro, here's what you got to remember about God, bro. You are not a person, bro. <laughs> oh, just keep, just bear that in mind, keep bro. this in mind, bro. You're the wrong color to go to real heaven, bro. <laughs> yeah, only fucking uh, white Christians in heaven, bro. Men. Well, men can be men. You know what I'm uh, talking about? Kind of men eventually give birth to a hand, bro. That's what your <laughs> reward is. You fuck men. Straight I wouldn't want though, to because BT- I'm really into fucking <laughs> girls. <laughs> BT dubs, if you guys are like tired of this, like you're tired of us saying all this weird shit, um, go look up uh, Vince Russo. Uh, some of his like s- some of his uh, shooting from the hip on just regular society. And, uh, yeah, and enjoy, because that's, like, legit, this is how Vince Russo thinks. <laughs> this is exactly how Vince Russo yeah, thinks. Yeah, Vince... He's a monster. Vince Russo thinks the way you would think Bam Bam Bigelow would think. Like, Bam Bam Bigelow, for a man with a flame head tattoo, said very few things 
politically or socially that i was like what that's too far (laughs) you're more just like well the man with the tattoo on his head really lived up to expectation true Mm. so wcw shuts down unfortunately bam bam bigelow goes into the wilderness and by that i mean he takes so many pills he (laughs) lives in the woods for a bit (laughs) he like everybody else he got his fucking sweet sweet time warmer deal until 2002 this guy got four years of fucking fat cash um, and then returned to the ring for USA Pro Wrestling, an independent promotion that provided him with his final match in 2006 at the American Combat Wrestling Promotions um, joint cl- like joint uh, card where he teamed with Ralph Mosca to form the Syndicate and they had a match against Overkill. He's thought to have made Sounds 1.25 great. million. Uh, one point- $1.2 million per 1.2. year. Yeah, he's one of those WCW. dudes, he just he just waited out his, uh, he basically waited out his WCW deal, and by the time he did, at that point, he's been wrestling for 16 years, and he's been wrestling a pretty physical style, both in the US and Japan. He did go back to Japan for a bit around 2002, like immediately uh, as his contract ended because he never really got along with Vince McMahon and now Vince McMahon runs wrestling in the United States so he did some Japanese matches but he couldn't 16 years in you can't do the same style as you did even if you are addicted to substances also a bunch of things starts happening in his life as WCW is shutting he gets divorced let's start taking pills he gets 40 percent of his body gets burned off from saving three kids in a fire yeah wants pills bigelow wants pills in 2002 um he showed up taking a lot of pills at a hot rod convention announced his retirement at a recreational community uh match series called the hideaway i believe and then opened his restaurant named after him in the town of hamlin salem township and recorded back to Florida to be closer to Shane Douglas. It gets real sad in a second. By 2004, he was charged with endangering child welfare and reckless driving because he drove around with his kids in the car and did a, had a drug-induced seizure. Uh, That's not fun. Uh, while driving. Not fun. Hilarious, though, seeing that those flame tattoos shake. It looks like a real fire happening in the car. And yeah, he, then uh, broke his nose by crashing his uh, motorcycle into... Uh, his well, girlfriend. This is, this, oh no, so his girlfriend's this car. This is basically what, what I say about male and female wrestlers: is that if Van Van Bigelow was a lady wrestler, he would have just made some sort of poorly, poorly researched and probably a failing fitness tape. And at forty-five, he would have just still looked good and uh, have had a ten-year-old child. <laughs> like he would have got a, he would have got out of WCW, got pregnant at thirty-eight had a kid and uh, they would be seven and she'd be like he'd be like oh it's tiring being an older mother that would be it but instead he's a he's a he's a boy and Boys here's the other thing i guarantee this is part of the reason he died is like not only is he a pale head and addicted to shit he's also like trained his body to basically be fat from all those years of being a pro wrestler like where it's better to be a fat a guy point. And this is the reason yeah. I guarantee why Vince McMahon doesn't have many straight-up fat dudes on the roster and the why he was always on the big show and Mark Henry lose weight is essentially because, like, 
you don't want people dying on your roster of like fucking just like like because one of the reasons he got addicted to the pills because his back was so fucked up guaranteed his back was fucked up from bumps and just the everyday stress of being 400 fucking pounds dude yeah and also probably uh it was getting (laughs) but true though like you're doing a flying headbutt. You're 400 pounds, and oh my god, you're landing. Yeah, on a variety of parts of your body, but they're all impacting the spine. Um, yeah, it's fucking horrible, horrible. Yeah, and then anybody. it all came to an end. The flame tattoo was snuffed out. January 19th, 2007. He was 45 years old. Yep. It showed that there were multiple drugs in his system, including toxic levels of cocaine, anti-anxiety pills, and also. Uh oh, doesn't list the other ones. He also was suffering from cardiovascular diseases, several back problems, and a heart problem. This fucking guy was going to die. It could have been in the ring, Dylan. Imagine how fucking. I'm surprised. Knowing WCW, who would have defended the title another three times, and they would have fucking tied (laughs) it in with Weekend and Bernie's. Weekend and Bam Bam. We're going with did Bam Bam, bro. You know that was pitched. Hundred percent, that was pitched. Well, I mean, how would they pitch it when he was still alive? You dumb bitch. The only here's the here's here's the thing. Isn't it crazy that the only member of the triple threat that's still alive is Shane Douglas? And the last wow, the last known thing about him was that he was in the manager's program at Target. I looked into that, by the way, because I'm a nerd. Uh, He was trying to get health insurance uh, because he had. uh, I hope you're sitting down. A massive pill problem. (laughs) Uh, He's back, just running independent promotions in the of course Pittsburgh. Of course. I mean, no one, no one thought that wasn't. The it's thing. the best. Fuck, I love wrestling. It's but it's so. G- I love that his like the rate. Re- I also buy. I love how much Ric Flair is excited by that. Like it's the best that Ric Flair you, is still even like. Even though I died uh-huh. and came back. Shane Douglas like seems like yeah. a guy who did party, and Ric Flair is the guy who still parties. You know, still parties. Yeah, I am I'm still around though. We want to see my dick, any girl. The best thing about having a daughter is you get to fucking show your dick to her friends now who wants to put coke in my ass. Um, my favorite thing about Bam Bam Bigelow. Everybody, it's Charlotte. You call it the Queen City. You want to know why? Because you're not <laughs> pregnant by me. I think the best thing about Bam Bam Bigelow during this run is him. Uh, I mean, it's going to sound super obvious. Him going to ECW and helping out. Uh, all the talent there. I think he was a perfect fit for ECW just by his willingness to like job out to people. Like, and oh, that's interesting. It was a dual. It's so interesting. Oh, that you're totally you're wrong. You're a fucking piece of shit, John. Um, Accurate. And it's a dual thing where Paul was really good at booking and is really great at booking like giant characters. And the instruction to have Bigelow stop. Leaving his feet, essentially, how giving he was to Taz, how giving he was to Spike Dudley, how giving he was to RBD. Like, he, every feud he was in, he gave a bit to the guys who were going to be there in stars long term. Like, did he squash people? 100% he did. But ECW was a great, like that, because it was a territory. You could just have some dude come in, bam, bam, smashes its face in, and then he said, I'm fucking packing. Mm. And then maybe you see him on WWF TV in the year under a new name. Bam comes out, cuts a promo, says, I beat you, and your name was, like, Lonnie Anderson or some shit. So that's probably my favorite. What's yours, John? Greetings from Ashbury Park. The, that, this move made him as a big man. I think that it was what was lacking from his WDF run. It was a high-impact, good variation move, very ECW, because it was making sure that everyone who took it definitely got hurt in the brain. So 
I thought that this yeah. was the best thing about this aspect of Bam Bam Bigelow's career was finding a finishing move. And it's also interesting to recognize that it's sometimes in wrestling it takes them fucking 15 years to figure out a finishing move that is appropriate for the I, character. I don't do. think that he could have used the breedings at Asbury Park in WWF, though, uh, at the time because I think it's too close to the tombstone. Like Rikishi used it later, yes, but I think it's too close to the tombstone for like 93. No, it, you're wrong. I don't think it is close to the tombstone. I don't think it's as close to the tombstone as for them to get upset. And I think also Bam Bam could have gotten away with it. Although that's it. No, you're right. Because Vince McMahon already hated it. It's pretty it. much like no, a body right. slam pile driver. Right. Uh, yeah, it's that's why I love it. It was always my go-to on any sort of wrestling video game. Dylan, worst thing. I'd say the worst thing about Bam Bam is probably that he is dead. Nope, psych. We're talking about his career. <laughs> Not going to go lame on this one. Just his intro with Goldberg and how quickly he didn't mean shit. Like, they basically introed Bam Bam the exact same way they introed Mike Awesome. Uh, where first time was good. First time you saw him was real yeah. good. And then immediately afterwards they almost took it all back. Because it was like, oh, people are excited for a thing that's not Kevin Nash? Uh, that will be repealed immediately. Yeah, WCW booking it. was basically that family... That family relative that hears you wanting something for Christmas and then goes, well, he can't get what he wants. <laughs> I want much. to surprise him. It was all. It was all bad. What's what's your what do you, don't you like about Bam Bam John? Did drugs and drove a car with his kid. I'm not like you, Dylan. I don't value professional wrestling. I value human life. Oh, shut the fuck you up! You shut the fuck up. John. I'm better than you, ladies and gentlemen. You've always been great. I love you all. I'm very tired of Dylan's shit. I wish I could say this is the last episode of the podcast we're going to do, but we both have debilitating pill addictions. We learned from our god, Bam Bam Bigelow, and we need your Patreon money. We need it so, so much. Ladies and gentlemen, for Dylan Gott, I am Dylan Gott's friend, John Hastings. I'm so sorry I was tired and loopy in this episode. We are not friends. This is a work thing only. Thank you very much for listening. I will be talking to John at this time next week. We are not friends. I want that to be very clear. Work acquaintances. We were introduced by his mother, who thought he needed help because he's a bit watery in the old brain. Not anymore. I went to a bunch <laughs> of saunas. <laughs> just, 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 very good. Okay, see you guys next week. Bye I bye. S- I sweated. Ooh, I sweated out chavo. the stupid. Just drives the point home even further how dangerous Big Papa Pump Scott Steiner is. He's my pick to win World War Three. All right, we understand something has occurred backstage. We've dispatched a cameraman, and I believe Mean Gene is going to be back there as well. Does this have to do with the motorcade? Can we go back there? What's going on here? I don't don't know, Tony. I don't think it's a motorcade. We've just seen a Cadillac pull up here, and uh, rumors are flying fast and furious back here in the holding area. Secret Service men. Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, my goodness. He's going for Goldberg's. That's Yes, it is. What the heck is he doing here? He just walked right in the back of the building here. He's 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 not even I can't he's not employed by World Championship Wrestling. No, no, no. He's gone right into Goldberg's dressing room. Goldberg's dressing room. This is the truly dangerous in the history of pro wrestling, and he's running wild the back. 310, 20 some pounds. Gene, you better get out of there. Hey, you better get out of there. What in the world? Hey, 
Stop him. He's walking. Don't let him go in there. That's the entryway towards the ring area. Nobody's going to stop him. Who can stop him? Well, no one's going to stop him. No one can stop this man. He's on his way. One of the most dominant forces in all of professional wrestling, Bam Bam Bigelow, is on his way to the ring. And we've never witnessed anything like this in the history of Nitro before. A man just walking from the outside in, unannounced. Not a part of this. Not just any man. This is Bam Bam. One of the toughest men in the history of this sport. If not the most dangerous man in our sport. Powerbomb for Scott Putsky. And did you see where he first went? He went right at Goldberg's dressing room. Oh, and he drops Chavo, thrown first across that top rope. What the heck is he doing here? He's a man on a mission. Yes, There's he no is doubt a man on that. a mission. No it, doubt about that. Listen to him. here. It's to put in Goldberg. Get your ass out of here! Oh, He's caught up, go! On the piece of knees! He's taking the ball long enough! I want you out of here! Opportunity, and I gave you an opportunity, and all you've done is screw it up. You tried to 
pump yourself up by finding Scott Steiner, making yourself important, and you screw up everything you touch. You are fired. I didn't send him out there. You are there. fired. You can run this madhouse any way you want. And you know you I can't will. fire me because I quit. Oh my! Thank uh -oh. you so much. And I don't need the help find him a way out. A professional you wrestler. You can run this hey, madhouse any way you want. You know I will. No, he's the only you know I will. person in the back, and Bischoff. That's fire, right down the street. You know why? He has too much power. And he knows too much what's going on. Business. That man right there, Eric Bischoff. All right, fans. It, as James J. Dillon gets in his car and leaves, and that's a startling sight. It really, in, in many ways, kind of pales in comparison to what went down moments ago. It was one of the.